listening to The Gender Rebels. I'm Kathleen, a cis woman and ally. And I'm Faith, a trans woman. Gender Rebels is a question and answer podcast that explores life outside the gender binary. A big thanks to our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash gender rebels. Hey, Faith, I got a question. Sure, what's your question? We have an awesome special guest today. Who is it? We do. Everyone, we have an amazing guest with us today author, activist, and just all-around awesome person, uh, Katie Rainhill. Katie, thank you so much for being on our show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome. It's so yes. great to have you. We really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, absolutely. I've been looking forward to it all week. So awesome. So we know that a lot of our listeners are fans and know your work, but for those of them who don't, weirdos, first of all, but second of all, can you give yourself <laughs> a little self-introduction? Yeah, sure. So um, I was born into a very religious and military-centered family. I'm transgender, male to female. Uh, and so growing up in a very military and religious-centered family, uh, especially in the state of Oklahoma, of course, I've had a lot of tribulations growing up and having to do with mm. uh, growing up in, in the middle of Oklahoma, middle of a, a Mormon center, uh, with my mom being Southern Baptist, my dad spending 27 years in the military. Yikes. So. I uh, eventually became the very first open trans person to ever graduate from a high school or I believe a college from Oklahoma and the surrounding states. Wow. So from there, I picked up and gained kind of local attention and then to national to international attention. And I got to do some great things. I got to write a book about my experiences between, you know, birth and eight around 18. Mm -hmm. I got to model for the Barney Spring campaign of 2014. I've been featured on several different newspapers and magazines and television shows throughout the entire world. So it's been a fun ride. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And we love, we love Rethinking Normal. We love Katie's book. We, yeah. We, All of the we, listeners. We read that. We picked that up. Um, you picked it up. I didn't even know yeah, it was I, a transgender book, but I, had to I, read, show it to I saw you. it was yeah. and I was like, oh my God. And I read it and we loved it. It's funny. It's great. So the link is down below. Listeners, buy it. Funny, Absolutely. heartbreaking. Yes. And for someone like me, trans girl, grew up in, again, a military family yeah. in the South religious. and religious. Yeah. Yeah. Very, I could easily relate to I it. I think a lot resonated with faith. So yeah. yes. Awesome. That's good to hear. So everyone should check out the book. We're not going to rehash the Please. book here, but they, but they should all listen to it. Or read it. I listen to so many books, I forget people use their eyes sometimes. There's actually paper books now. They it's make them big, out of paper. It's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> new invention. But one of the things that is in the book that was really interesting is you describe attending an LGBT conference. And this conference sort of went off the rails because of a protest about a lack of recycling bins. Which is not great, but like, you know, keep your focus, folks. This is actually a pretty common criticism of the left that we trying to change the world and, and make it a better place can still find ourselves infighting over different priorities. And that really locks up our ability to accomplish anything. And you know, you're an activist. You've been in the field since you were a teenager. What, what do you think? What's a way we can just unblock this, this logjam? Yeah, right after that happened at the conference, I had to sit down with the youth organizer, the, the organizer that I went with. Um, his name was Toby, a fantastic person. But he sat me down and he, he, I was crying. I was obviously very upset. And he sat me down and he said, Katie, I know it seems chaotic that, you know, it just seems like everybody's going in different directions. But here at places like this, at this conference, this is how we figure things out. This is how we move forward is by people coming together and arguing and, and, and bashing heads. And I didn't really fully understand what he was saying, but now that I've kind of grown up, I understand that, 
you know, you only really get true um, results when you have to make compromises and when people realize that they can't get everything that they want and they have to work with the opposition, they have to work with the people that they don't always agree with. And once you do that, you can really round off what you're trying to get at. You know, I also don't think it's un it's fair for us to expect groups to have unanimous voices, you sure. know, like the um, civil rights movement and even with uh, the most recent um, you know, passing of gay marriage. That mm. wasn't everybody's main objective, you know, getting gay marriage um, passed. A lot mm -hmm. of people were trying to get, um, you know, adoption set up. A lot of people were trying to get marriage. A lot of people were just trying to make it through life, you know, without mm. having to feel obligated to be on a, on a particular path or speaking a particular way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of dilemmas with this where people are trying to speak over one another. But mm -hmm. in a way, I think it's, it's beneficial in the sense that we're covering all our ground, but you're right. I believe that there is fundamentally some kind of disadvantage because we don't have a unanimous voice. There's not a leader in, in, in this community. There's not one person speaking out for everybody. Um, it's a million. You can have a million people or you can have 10 people in a room and they're all going to have 16 different opinions and, and 20 different ideas of how to do something one particular yeah. way. Mm -hmm. And it can be counterintuitive, but I think if you had those people sit down long enough they would eventually be able to come to one or two really solid conclusions that would be incorporative of all different ideas and would be able to address all of the problems that each person would have with one, that particular idea. So, you know, I, I don't really have a solution to it, but all I can pretty much say is we should be understanding to the people who we are opposed to. You know, that person in the room who was upset about the recycling bin, it was counterintuitive to the workshop. We didn't get anything done because that person was so, so passionate about there being a recycling bin in this place. But simultaneously, I'm pretty sure, hopefully from then on, they kept a recycling bin in that yeah. room. <laughs> but then where's the composting bin? Right. right. Seriously. Right. Nothing happened. And, and so, the, yeah, so nothing can, can go forward. It's kind of counterintuitive, but at the same time, it at least is how change gets gets solved. You know, I bet from now on, they probably have recycling bins in this room so they can, they improve themselves a little bit and now they can get stuff done. Now they can clear their minds and, and continue on that particular path. So I don't really have a solution to it. All I can say is um, if you're out there and you're doing activism, one of the most essential things is to pay attention to your opposition and to pay attention what people are saying, even if it's in direct contradiction to what you're saying and what you believe in and what you're trying to get at because they could have little gems in there, little pieces Definitely. that could better your argument or that could at least in a little way um, help round out the the problems of your solutions and, and how you want to go about things. Or fundamentally, they could just be absolutely wrong, but you at least need to find a way to address that and find a way to explain to that person why they're wrong for doing that. And you're not going to get at that if you're just yelling at them or telling them they're wrong. You have to listen to them. You have to understand where they're yeah, coming yeah, from. Yeah, listen. Progress yeah. is messy. It, there's no, yeah, there yeah. is no easy way forward in a lot of cases. But you're right. You've, you've got to listen to the people who are on your side because those are the ones who are going to help you affect change. And even if you go in with 10 goals and you only come out with two because everyone's fighting too much, all right, work on those two. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and even, like I said, even if there are people who directly disagree with you, who you know, you think that you would never get along in a million years, if you really pay attention to what they're saying, one, you can kind of get a better understanding of how you can prove them wrong or how you can argue with them instead of just shouting over them and telling mm -hmm. them to sit down and shut up. Mm -hmm. It's essential to listen to what they're trying to say, and it's essential to listen to their reasoning and what's going on with them. You know, to that lady or to that person who was shouting, 
that they want a recycling bin, at that initial moment, my snap reaction was, this person's crazy. They need to sit down. <laughs> I'm trying to pay attention to this person who's doing their workshop. They put a lot of effort into this. Mm-hmm. I don't care about your problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's very tempting for a lot of people. I, I think that the um, probably most people's reaction is they want to focus on what's at hand and not diverge from something. But it was it was very important to this person. Yeah. Um, I mean, like they, to the point where they could not let the workshop go any further until a recycling bin was there. And it wow. came to a point where 45 minutes was wasted and there was nothing that we could do about it. Um, the person couldn't just keep talking because this person was almost being irate. Mm. And I'm surprised I didn't call somebody in to escort them right. out or something. Yeah. I mean, people people were standing up and they were yelling, you know, like, sit down, be quiet. And uh, it, it just seemed counterintuitive. But like I said, it at least was a good story, a good example of your point is that we always conflict with each other. And like I said, from now on, I'm I hopefully I hope that they put recycling bins in all of their workshops. So at least you can avoid that problem from now on mm-hmm. and you can focus on the matter at hand. And I think that's a good example of what we should do for all of our issues in, in any in any context. Mm-hmm. I mean, I almost hate to say it, but that loudmouth who was insisting on bins they got stuff done. Like That's right. <laughs> sometimes yeah. you need a loud mouth who can just hassle the governor or whoever until they can't stand it uh. anymore. It's really obnoxious, but it does get stuff done. Yeah. Sometimes you have to act a fool to get results. And, mm. and you, I mean, sometimes you have to, to submit to people who, you know, I don't want to say submit to people who are unreasonable, mm-hmm. but th- after a while they looked at that person and said, is it really too big of an issue to get a recycling bin in here? I exactly. guess not. Exactly. It's not going to kill us. It's not going to cause the collapse of society if we do this. And for one, I mean, it, it betters it overall. You know, having sure. a recycling bin in the in the room, it's nothing important. But you know, it, it it helps. You know, now people know where to put their water cups. I guess. Sure. And it it's a little bit helpful. So yeah, it, I think that's. A, it wasn't worth uh, the the derailment of the discussion, but, it, but fine, fine. No, Get the no, goddamn yeah. bin. Fine. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Very cool. Yeah. So. So you actually transitioned uh, when you were quite young, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it depends on quite young. Uh, 15, I would say. 15. Pretty young. That's younger than me, certainly. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So that's a a really good question because I feel like in a lot of cases, especially for trans women, it's it's, there's this idea that the younger you transition, the better off you're going to be. And... I think in a lot of cases that's true. Some people tran- people transition all throughout their lives. Mm. But do you ever think that is there a situation where maybe someone's maybe you think people are too young to transition, or would you say when people know they kind of know? What's your kind of thoughts on on transitioning even younger than you did? Yeah, transitioning uh, for young kids, I think, is very complicated. I think it's important for listeners to understand that you know gender. Uh, gender identity, gender politics is very complicated matter. People go to college for eight years and they still don't fully understand all of it. I've been doing activism for over eight years, um, actually, yeah, almost eight years, yeah. And I still don't get everything. I still get it all wrong sometimes. So it is complicated to understand. But for trans kids, what I think is important to understand is, again, I understand the reservations that people might have with, with um trans kids or kids transitioning for one you have 
the social aspect of it. I don't believe there's any harm in allowing a child to express themselves socially, to dress no. up if they're preferred gender, you know, to cut their hair or to grow it out, to grow their nails. The only thing that I can see that people would have reservations of that is, you know, people who are more conservative would use that as an excuse, like, oh, you're allowing that child to exhibit those gender norms so it's it's influencing them you know sure. they think they have to be a boy now or they have to be a boy which i don't think is correct but no. the thing is <laughs> it's ridiculous right but the thing is that you know there's very little if not any research into this so it's really hard to convince people in the opposition that this is valid without hard evidence or without hard research and we just don't have that but you know on the terms of bio- biology you know hrt I think it gets a little bit more complicated and nuanced. You know, with puberty blockers, it's generally reversible. You know, it's not a synthetic hormone in any way. All it does is um, delay the onset of puberty. And and, and I believe most uh, endocrine doctors won't even allow, most of them won't feel comfortable giving a child puberty blockers until about 10 or stage two, um, which is just at the very precipice of the onset of puberty. Because at that point, you know, I have a problem with, really young children getting on HRT and, and transitioning because I I went through the standards of care under WPATH when I mm-hmm. transitioned. I had to go see a therapist for several years. I had to get cleared by a few doctors. Um, they did rigorous t- testing. You know, they wanted to make sure that my hormones were okay and mm-hmm. what levels were they, was I intersex. Mm-hmm. I had to go through many loops before I was even allowed to, to go on hormones or wow. to um, start really transitioning mm-hmm. and I, and looking back on it I, you know de- back then I was really upset about it because I wanted it now 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 I yeah. wanted to transition extremely fast I wanted to get that ball rolling but now that I'm older I'm really appreciative of it because it they made sure that it's absolutely what I wanted to do or what I needed to do they weren't inside my head you know I, I'm trying mm-hmm. to convince these other doctors and these psychologists that um, that this is real for me that this is life or death for me Yes. And uh, I'm glad I went under those standards of care because not only did it validate it for them, the people who were trying to help me and, and make this path as easy as possible, but it was very validating for myself as well. You know, I grew up and I thought I was crazy half the time mm-hmm. because I had these strange feelings. Yeah. Um, but because I followed those standards of care, it was very affirming to have professionals tell me this is what's <laughs> going on. This is what's yes. happening. And this is what we're going to do for it. And, you know, like a five-year-old, a six-year-old, mm-hmm. I knew very well at that age that something was different about me. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I knew very well that something was different. Mm-hmm. And when I look at a five or six year old who says they're trans, I, I have to believe them, you know, because yeah. I, I don't want to take the chance of them going through the suffering that I did at that yes. age. Mm-hmm. But I do think there has to be caution and reservations because, you know, uh, gender is fluid. Gender can change throughout life. Gender can be, um, you know, pretty, pretty, free-flowing and individual, some individuals. And I just wanted to make sure, absolutely sure, that the children who want to transition, that's absolutely what they want to do, what they need to do in order to be happy. Because yes. um, you don't want to take the risk of them going on HRT and possibly becoming sterile or possibly, you know, uh, there have been recent, more recent studies explaining how hormone replacement therapy can mess up Actibin and Inhibin, which has mm. to do cell separation and cell, huh. um, you know, so the program cell dying, I think it's apoptosis. Uh, yeah, apoptosis, yeah. Apoptosis, yeah. So, you know, it kind of affects those things. And we don't, like I said, there's not a lot of research into how hormone re- uh, replacement therapy affects these things. Mm-hmm. So we have to be cautionary. I, I think we should definitely believe these kids 
kids who come out and say that they're trans, I believe they should be fully allowed to socially transition, put them on puberty blockers on 10 or stage one or two. And so they can identify themselves so they can play around with their identity, yes. put them through the standards of care of WPATH, make sure that they're insistent, consistent and persistent with their needs to be mm-hmm. trans or to transition. And then if, when they feel like they're ready or when their parents feel like they're ready and when their doctors, of course, feel like they're ready, let them progress into HRT, let them go on hormones and, and continue from there. Because I feel yeah. like if you do it in that order, you have a lot, you have a far uh, smaller chance of those children regretting it or having any medical problems in the future. Yes. And above that, I think it's a good way to convince the opposition that this is valid. It's a lot easier yes. to show that this is a real thing if you have doctors signing off on it and we're not pushing these kids super fast. We're going through a system and order that this is what we're going to do at this age, this is what we're going to do at this age. We're going to mm-hmm. evaluate them individually as they grow up. And if at any sign that this is not a real thing, that they want to regress, that they don't want to do this anymore, it can be reversed up to a certain point when yeah. we, mm-hmm. they are mentally able to make those decisions. So I believe it's kind of following the standards of care at WPATH, I believe, is essential. And that's where I stand with that. I've had a lot of people argue with me that it's not the best way to do it, but that's just my opinion on the, on the matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, no, that's great. Yeah, yeah that there's I, a, a process that yes. we follow. I yeah. mean, there there is. And I think... You know, we we often have a conversation in the community about gatekeepers, but I think I think sometimes, like you say, gatekeeping can actually be a valuable tool. Sometimes it can stop people from you know what they need mm-hmm. with adults, but I think for younger people, yeah, it can be a valuable tool to make sure. Yeah, that's a good point that you bring up about gatekeeping because in recent times we've come to realize that being trans is not uh, uh, the same for all people, of course. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some people who don't need a medically transition, and there's some people who are totally okay with just socially transitioning. There are people mm. who just want to do hormone therapy, and they don't want to do the sexual reassignment therapy. And, you know, it's a huge spectrum, and it's very hard to – the way I've always said it is we come – we're at this point in, in, in the, the, the movement where – we have a spectrum now. We have almost an infinite supply of identities and yes. people on biological spectrums, identity spectrums. And we're trying to introduce that in a binary society, a society that's for the longest time only really acknowledged and understood what it means to be female and male. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard. You know, it, it, it's hard to convince people that the validity of it, the necessity of these these procedures and, and medicines and to take care of trans people because they don't understand it. And a lot of times it'll cause backlash. It has caused backlash. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's difficult because we don't want to be gatekeepers. We don't want to say you have to follow these procedures. You have to follow this very strict, you know, a set of, of criteria to be considered trans or yes. to go through the process. But at the same time, it's difficult to to keep it fluid and at the same time, to, to, you know, get it passed into law, to get protections into law, to get yes. the opposition on board to understand it. So we have to kind of, again, we have to talk with each other. We have to get in rooms and debate about this and come up with better solutions to kind of incorporate these things, make compromises, make mm-hmm. understand, because mm-hmm. we don't want to be on either side of the extremes. We don't want to gatekeep to the extreme level and we don't want to be completely free-flowing because it's not going to get us anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's not going to to solve all the problems that we want. Um, so I think that's a very point to make out about gatekeeping that we're, we we don't want to be the, the the people deciding who can and cannot be trans and who no. can transition. But right. 
um, we do have to find a compromise and a middle ground with with people. Well, it's like, yeah, like you said about social transition, um, something like that. We're just letting kids be kind of kids. Right, um, exactly. That doesn't mean you necessarily have to, to absolutely, you know, immediately get on hormones, but just having the ability to like let kids kind of break out of that experiment exactly always reversible you know if you have a a Mm -hmm. kid who says Mm -hmm. oh i want to play with this toy this barbie doll today and and then the next day they say oh i know i I like planes and i like action figures better you go fine yeah yeah have fun you know Mm -hmm. it it doesn't say anything about you now when i was a kid when i was three or four i played with anything everything and no one thought anything of it and for some reason once you hit six or seven it suddenly is a catastrophe if you pick up a barbie doll Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make any sense. My mom actually gave me a dress when I was three because I really wanted one. How lucky are you? And then, yeah, you hit five. I remember being about five and suddenly it was like, no, this is no longer acceptable. You can't play with the dress anymore. No. You can't wear that. No, and I would be outside playing with the trucks in the dirt. In, in your my dress. dress. <laughs> right. Yeah, and there's nothing of it. You don't think anything of it. It's just like, yeah. oh, that kids are kids at that yeah. age. It's no big deal. But an arbitrary age, for some reason, it just gets cut off at one point, and mm-hmm. then it's a big deal all of a sudden. And it never made any sense to me why we can do it for so many years and let people experiment with themselves and their identities, but at a certain arbitrary point, it's, you know, there's no way you have to be this way now. You have to completely 180, or you have to completely stop expressing yourself in this mm-hmm. way. Go, you're supposed to do this. You have to do this. Yeah. Nonsense. More freedom for more people. That's what I'm all about. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like you say about the opposition and and the value of having the the WPATH procedures in place and letting them know that there's actually scientific expertise there, just I'm hoping that if that's the set process, then they recognize that, okay, this is something I could maybe be a little more relaxed on. Maybe little Stevie can keep wearing the dress until until he's nine or... If it happens to turn out that he is a woman, then we'll deal with that then with experts. You know, right. it, it, it might just sort of minimize the whole huge, scary thing for yeah. them. But then it's also and, getting access to the experts. You need to make sure that kids right. do have this access. That's true. Yeah. And also, you know, money is a big part of that. And, you know, getting uh, professionals yeah. involved, you start running into the issues of, of gatekeeping. And once again, for economic, you know, economic values, some mm-hmm. people can't afford to get professionals involved. And then what yeah. do you do then? Yeah. And like I said, it's not perfect. Um, that's why... Uh, it, it's it's not perfect. WPATH's not perfect. The procedures aren't perfect. Nothing that we are really trying to do is perfect, but we have to. It, a little bit is better than nothing at yes, all. And, yes, and, yes. You know, for like the idea with the, the bathroom problem, I, I hate it when people bring it up and they say, oh, these pedophiles trying to come in and touch oh. my, my daughters. I say, well, if you think about it, let's say, for example, the WPATH thing was a standard. They would have to jump through a whole hell of a lot of loops to, yes. <laughs> to yeah. convince medical doctors and psychology you know professionals and 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 family members and just to go into the bathroom to touch your children that's a mm-hmm. whole lot of loops to jump but it again is. that's gatekeeping in a lot of ways because you'd have some people can't afford those professionals some people can't do this some people don't want to do hormone replacement therapy so what mm-hmm. do you do you know there's no real answer right now and i think that's what's important for people to acknowledge themselves is that the answers that we're coming up with can solve a little bit of the issues, but overall, they're going to just keep running into problems. So we need to talk to each other. Going mm-hmm. back to your first question, we need to argue. We need to have problems. We need to talk to the opposition to come up with solutions that will be compromising and that will be 
a better solution than what we're doing now because what we're doing now in a lot of ways isn't isn't really helping it's it just doesn't work yeah doesn't work it doesn't really work um, as quixotic as it might be to say it's it's as easy for let's say a six-year-old kid to say that they're trans and to put them on HRT it's it's nuanced it's a lot more complicated than that there's not a lot of research into it we don't know how that'll affect people in the long term mm -hmm. we don't know how they're going to be affected we don't have it's hard to bring people on board and for a movement like this, if, whether it's the gay rights movement, the civil rights movement, if you have to bring people on board, you have to educate them, you have to get them to understand that this is valid, that being mm -hmm. trans is not a fad, it's not yeah. um, something that's fleeting, it's here and it's real and it's going to stay. Only by doing that are you really going to make change and make things better for all yeah. people. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, um, Katie, it's so hard. I know, I know, I know. It's, it's miserable at times, and it's not fair a lot of times. But, I mean, like you said, progress is not easy, and it's not painless. It, yeah. it takes a it lot of blood, fast. sweat, and tears. And yeah. it's not fast at all. If you go too no. fast, you run into problems of backlash and, and, and riots and God knows what else. So what's, what's the way that you – what's the best way – for you, someone like you, someone like our listeners to use their energy, because we all have limited energy to kind of help in this fight and, mm. and, and to help kind of make progress happen. What's sort of the best way? How do you how do you yourself approach that? For me personally, um, kind of, again, for the first question, I, go with what you're passionate, passionate about. Go with yeah. what you feel is right to fight for. I mean, don't feel obligated to say, oh, everybody's fighting for this one one particular thing so I must too mm. you know when I first came out I was I, I wanted to do everything you know I wanted to fight on all fronts and yeah. it was exhausting and it, mm -hmm. it really was and, and and I realized it was a losing fight for me doing that I wasn't dedicating my energy to one particular thing so it was just um, I wasn't doing my best I wasn't actually being the best person or best activist I could be so for me I I do very small things now you know I have a job I have a career I'm working on, I go to school, I, I'm trying to have my family, my life. So whenever I can, I do things like this. I just go on and educate people or give them my opinion. I, I A lot of times I'll just listen to people who completely blatantly disagree with me, um. come up with come up with ways like, all right, I want to know your reservations about this. What about me or the issues of the movement don't you like? And then I'll sit down, do research, come up with ways to explain to them with reasoning, with facts, how they're wrong. <laughs> and, um, nice. You know, it's it's I, one of my favorite things to do is just to listen to conservative Republicans just talk on the subject and how wow. they are totally against it. I love it because I I again I'm listening to them and even though I think they're blatantly wrong, sure. I will find whatever they're using, whatever reasoning if they're using to be against me, and I will do as much of my power to learn how to combat those those reservations in the future. So if I ever get in a discussion or a debate with somebody, I'll be ready. I'll be able to pull up my knowledge and say, this is yes. why you're wrong, not with feeling or anything, but with your logic and reasoning. And, mm -hmm. and th that's why WPATH, you know, follow the standards of care. It's not perfect, but at least it's something to help people get on board with these things. And mm -hmm. I, don't, I research a lot. I read a lot. <laughs> it's just whatever you can do. Yeah. I, I used to re be way more included into the, the activism life. But mm. ever since I graduated college and I've had to get on my career, um, for me, right now, all I do is just read. I listen to people, and I do things like this. I'll, I'll write maybe oh. an article or two in magazines or newspapers, just 
calling for attention, calling for people to be more compassionate with each other, to listen to the opposition, to yeah. research themselves. And mm-hmm. above all, um, you know, if, I don't know what your demographics are for people who listen to your podcast, but if you don't know a trans person, just go out and talk to one yeah. and that'll give you a whole <laughs> bunch of perspective of what it's like. And, and I guarantee giving a, having a couple conversation with somebody who's actually trans would maybe change your mind on a lot of issues and, yeah. and maybe erase some of those reservations that you might have. And uh, on the other end, if you don't really talk to people who are completely against the movement, it might be a good idea to sit down and talk with them too and just listen to what they have to say. And even if you think they are absolutely wrong and so full of crap, Again, there are gems in every argument, and mm-hmm. you can take what they say and better yourself from it and better your activism yeah. for it. Wow, that's smart. Wow. It's, it's, it's talking with the opposition. I have a hard time with that because I get emotional, and I know you're absolutely right. They have their logic. They have their reasons. They have their argument and their beliefs, and it's just about finding some sort of common ground or helping them with facts, and they help us with facts. Oh, I just... I just hate being in that moment. I'm so bad at it. Yes. Oh, yo, it's so painful. And that's why it's yeah, difficult. Yeah. I always find uh, most of the world's problems, again, are just a lack of communication. You have, mm-hmm. you know, Democrats or Republicans or wh- whatever two sides of an argument are just sitting on one side of an aisle and screaming at the other side about how wrong they are. Yeah. And I am absolutely right. And you are absolutely wrong. And there's there's gold. There's nuggets of, of, of wisdom and reasoning between and all sides, even you know, usually, I, I can't say all <laughs> usually there is. And it's just yes. about coming into the middle of the aisle and saying, this is what I think is right. Mm-hmm. Is this what you're saying is right? Let's work towards finding out what's actually right. We both can't be right. Let's work towards a good solution, yeah. proper mm-hmm. solution that we both can agree on. And it's very, very hard, but it's essential to making progress and to making things work. You're yeah. right. Listening, you're right. Listening to someone makes them feel validated, mm-hmm. you know, whereas just shutting them down with a meme mm-hmm. it's not gonna it's, yeah not gonna change their mind exactly but yeah. listening might listening at least shows that you're willing to engage that person as a equal yeah mm-hmm. yeah well, you're right it's just hearing them out and maybe they'll hear us out and then that's how it starts you can't like you were saying you can't come to any common ground if you're just screaming at each other yeah yeah and i've had plenty of conversations where they're screaming and telling me i'm completely wrong and you just have to bite your tongue and and take what they're saying yeah and and try to run with it and say okay you know there's nothing i'm going to say that's going to change your mind there's nothing i can say that'll even make you try to have a conversation yeah right right. i'm going to take everything that you're saying i'm going to write it down and you bet your ass it's going to be on a podcast next time (laughs) you, I'll take what you're saying and I'll and I'll roll with it and it'll better me and my arguments. So mm-hmm. you know whatever whatever you you do you if you want to yell you yell but I'm going to do something with our conversations. And at the very least, they came away from that thinking that you listened to them. Yeah, like yeah, at the minimum, I guess. <laughs> baby steps, baby steps, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Wow, this is really good stuff. Wow, because this is. With the election, it, it turned me into an activist, and, and it's it's been hard to figure out where to put your energy, because we, I can't go to every march, and I can't donate every penny. I, I picked one Republican district in New York City, and I'm getting that congressman out gonna of turn office. It, gonna yeah, turn it blue. That's, that's, my, that's my one thing. I had to focus on one thing. Exactly. Yeah. You have to fight on all fronts, but you don't commit your whole force. You fight for what you're passionate about. And even yeah. if you feel like they're totally outnumbered and you have no chance at it, it doesn't mean it's not a battle worth fighting for. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Wow. Really, 
really well put. Yeah. Yes. So in the book, you discuss how both of your parents weren't quite enthused about your transition. <laughs> to put it lightly. Put it lightly. Yeah. But they came around over time. So how can a trans person in a similar situation navigate that? Do you have advice for someone like that? I really wish that there was a handbook for transitioning. <laughs> oh, we should write one. Yes, uh, we should. I mean, Bornstein actually did, uh, did have oh, something. Like a yeah. Workbook or something. Yeah, she does. But you know, everybody's transition is so they different. Are. And their family dynamics are so different. Friend dynamics are so different. The way it happened for me was, you know, I had a Southern Baptist mom. I had a, a Mormon father, 27 years in the military, very religious. So I went, I was just, even before I came out, people who even thought I was gay, because I was mm. very feminine, a very feminine boy, I was pushed, shoved, kicked around, spat on, and, and, and made fun of pretty much every day yeah. of my middle school and high school years. And for me, the only thing that kept me alive after I came out was my mother. She was there for me from the very beginning. My Southern Baptist, conservative, Republican mother who voted for Trump. <laughs> she sat, I know, I know. She sat there next to me and she said, you know, I, I would much rather have you as a living daughter than a dead son. Because I... I yeah, she she re recognized she just by looking at me could tell I could not hold out any longer. Yeah, she's she's like you know I I am committed to God and I and I believe in what I believe in, but I cannot believe that this is fair. You know she she was like I will sell my soul to the devil just to see you oh. smile again, and that is the wow. Christian thing to do. That is the Christian thing to say is yeah. Wow. I will commit myself. I, I I will commit my life to protecting you and making you happy. That's what a mo mother's supposed to do. And that that was my dynamic. That my the rest of my family wasn't for it. My father completely outcasted me. My friends left me a lot of times, but because my mother was there, because she was so dedicated yes. to me and being there for me, it got me through it all. And above all else, it turned me into this shy, scared little boy into the woman that I am today, and I'm very proud of who I am. So I wish I could give advice. I wish I had a handbook that I could say, if you do this, follow this formula, it will work out just fine for you. But really, it's, I, I think it's all about support. Every time yeah, I talk to somebody, I say, you know, life for every person on this planet is a bitch. It is not fun a lot of times. It can be hard. Mm -hmm. it, and, and nobody, I don't care who you are, you could be the strongest, toughest man in the world, can get through life on their own. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't care who you are. It, sometime in your life, you're going to get your teeth kicked in and yeah. you're going to need somebody there for you. Mm -hmm. So yes. one person, the people who are listening, it, it literally one person can mean the difference between life and death. My mother was my one person. Wow. If she was not there for me, I would have fallen and there's no wow. way I, I would have come back up. So if you're listening being there supporting somebody who is going through these experiences, who's just starting off, can literally mean the difference between life and death. Mm. And if, if you're somebody who's struggling with finding that support, just grab onto it wherever you can. Get a good you know, yeah. friend support group or go to your local center or, or GSA or whatever it is mm -hmm. and have somebody listening to you. It's essential to have somebody there who cares about you, who wants to listen to you, who wants to help you with your transition, who's there when things get bad. If you have at least one person, I genuinely believe it increases your chances of being happy and making yeah. a transition astronomically by, by astounding numbers. I, I don't have statistics, of course, but <laughs> just from personal experience. Yes. It's, I, I always tell people I don't sugarcoat things. When you transition, you will lose people. 
Mm. You will lose friends. You may lose family. There will be people in this world who will not care about you and will think that you are gross and who will think that you are demonic or whatever have you. That is not something I will shy away from you. That is a fact of what's going to happen. And maybe not always after you you get confident in yourself and you become an adult and, you know, you, you go about your life. And as the times change, you, you don't you never know. But if you do this, it will be hard. You will have nights where you will cry and you will sweat and you might pray mm. and it, it will be tough. And I need you to understand that. And people and I've had so many people who say, I know that. And I don't care. I need to do this. This is for me. Wow. And I said, well, you already have the strength then. You know, I, I've always told uh-huh. people, once you hit that rock bottom and once you feel like that you can't take enough of it, you will do anything in your power to get up and to, and to keep going. You'll do uh-huh. everything in your power to excel from that point. There's only one way to go, and that's up. Yeah. It yes. makes it astrom- astronomically easier if you have a family member or yes. even a friend, somebody, a teacher, a, a, a counselor, anybody there for you. And even though it might not seem like enough, I promise you it, it, it's a lot better than just being on your own. And mm. I got extremely lucky. I had an, a great mother and I lost several friends. I had my family outcast to me, but the, it wasn't as painful as I thought it was going to be. Mm. I recognize that if those people don't need me in my, their life, I don't need them in my life. Right. I, I, that There's no point in me keeping these people around if, if they don't mm-hmm. want around my mother though she loved me so much that she pretty much left behind her family left behind her religion left behind her beliefs her fundamental beliefs yeah for me and that's oh my god wow. shout out to mrs hill that's yeah. right <laughs> wow. wow yeah i was lucky for that and i know a lot of people don't have that and they may never have that mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i i genuinely wholeheartedly believe that with some support you can make it. And and as long as you have the strength to go on and you find that inner courage and you listen to yourself and you trust yourself and never doubt for a second that this is for you and nobody else, then you can get through it. You can survive and you can flourish if you, if you live, you can play your cards right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's wow. beautiful. That's that absolutely friend, beautiful. That's, yeah. I'm, you're absolutely right. I had right. you, so. Yay. Yeah. But, you know, just that one person who's there to say, you are the right one here. You are not crazy. This is a normal thing, and I love you no matter what. Yeah. And, yeah, like you're saying, if that's not your mom or your sister or your dad, then a, a friend or a counselor or a teacher or... Anybody. Yeah, there's there's people who do. make best friends online and support each other every day and might not meet in person for years, but that's... That's enough. That'll... Or even online support groups. That's a big one. You know, people yeah, turn yeah. to the internet for it, and it helps. It really does to go on there and have somebody say, again, you're right. You you, you are correct in this. You are not a monster. You're not a freak. You're not mm-hmm. ugly. You're not hideous. This is for you, and you're mm-hmm. doing a good job. The Hearing I love you and you're doing a good job and all those affirmating things can just relieve. It could just heal depression a lot of times. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. It, it's so therapeutic and it's essential to getting through those hard times in life, period, mm-hmm. but especially transitioning and going through life in this condition and, and, and yeah. um, transitioning. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Katie, on a completely unrelated topic, if you could know the absolute and total truth, completely 100% to just one question, what what's that question that you would want to know? 
Oh, I thought about this one. I probably honestly would just get very philosophical. And just, is there a God or something like that? Yeah. What is the meaning to life? Because mm -hmm. um, I'm a very complex thinker, very abstract thinker. So there have been plenty of nights where I lay awake at night just thinking about that. Yes. <laughs> it's the exact yes. same thing. Um, I grew up Christian. I grew up very religious. And um, I've always just liked combating that and reading philosophy. So, yeah, probably just the meaning of life or is there a God? Even just a yeah. yes or no answer, I'd say, oh, okay, all right. Yeah. Just I can yes go to bed. No. Time I to look to into bed some now. stuff. Right, yes. right. Once I have that answer, I can ponder I can, other I can things, figure it out, yeah. But that one big variable is You're like, no, 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 but one other thing. And they're like, <laughs> no. No, you got your it, one. It does yeah. lead to other questions yes. then, though. Try to ask if you only get one question about... God, the universe, and everything. Try to ask an open-ended question. <laughs> right. Get a paragraph response. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, out of curiosity, and we don't have to go like a ton of detail into it. You said you were raised Christian. Are you still religious or spiritual or nothing? Yeah, I guess spiritual is the. I hate that word, but yeah, spiritual. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit vague and wishy-washy. Um, I like philosophy. I like reasoning. I, I really like logic. And um, I do not inherently believe that science is inherently anti-religion in any way. I don't believe in any organized religion. I don't believe in um, any, uh, I, I don't necessarily believe that if there is some kind of deity or thing, it is humanist, it's human or in any way, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Anthropomorphic. Uh, anthropomorphic, yeah, that's yeah. a yeah. And any, or has contacted us in any sense of the word, mm -hmm. but... I do not inherently believe that there, you know, when I, I don't mean to go into much detail, but you know, when I think of DNA replicating itself or the yes. fact that, that the universe itself is written in math and, you know, yes. it can be predicted yes. and we can put, take a marker on a blackboard and, 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 or a whiteboard and we can explain how things happen in mathematics. I look at that and I say, that's, that's beautiful. That, mm -hmm. that, that is magnificent. God. Yeah. And it's so fast. elegant. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a watchmaker in any way, but that hands down, that is beautiful. But we can still enjoy the watch even without a watchmaker. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And when reality is so awesome and complex and amazing and ties together so neatly, that's... I mean that could yeah. just be I, whatever well, also, I, I grew is. up I grew up Southern Baptist evangelical Christian and I just like every time I every time I like look into like depth in the universe I remember reading about a thing called quorum sensing with bacteria mm. and just being like so blown away about how amazing that was and I was like, I just don't see this kind of like Old Testament bully God coming up with anything that cool. Right. <laughs> so like, even if I, even if I do believe that, that even if I do, there would be a possibility mm -hmm. of some sort of higher power. Like to me, that higher power would not be so, like you say, anthropomorphic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if the higher power had done it, I bet protein confirmation would have been mentioned somewhere in the Bible. Yeah. And it's <laughs> not there at all. No. And right. that's the coolest thing there is. Exactly, so. yeah. You know, I, I growing up, uh, since I was raised Christian, I wished pretty much on every shooting star to yeah. be, you know, remade yeah. into a girl or to wake up the next day and be a girl or every birthday wish oh, or every God. time I prayed. And I, I prayed to God every night. Every night. Yeah. And I felt betrayed a lot of times because it, it never happened. Well, it didn't happen for such a long time and it didn't happen the way I expected and I kind of, you know, one day I woke up and I looked at myself in the mirror and I had come through this journey and become the person that I am. And I, I couldn't help but think, 
those prayers, those wishes, maybe they weren't directly answered, but they had been answered. Whether I did that or a yeah. deity or whatever have you, cosmic energy, whatever the hell it is, I mm-hmm. it happened. And it didn't happen the way I wanted to, and it didn't happen as fast as I wanted it to, but mm-hmm. it couldn't have happened in a more beautiful and, and, and adventure than I could have hoped for. I, I look back on it, and I ask myself, if I could press a button to undo being trans or to take back my experiences and just be born like a normal person, what I want to, and I honestly would say probably not, because wow. I'm very glad of the person that I've become. Yeah. I'm very glad of how I've grown attached with my family and how it's brought me together with them and my friends and how I've come to identify myself and the things that I value. And none of that would have been possible if I was born or lived a different life. And mm-hmm. I'm very thankful for those things. Wow. That's but, beautiful. That whole yeah. thing, that struggle, that was your journey. That is what made you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, awesome. Do we want to... I just, oh, I think that's, I just want I, to sit with that for yeah. a while. God, Katie, you're really good at this. We yes. are having you back. Oh well, my God. We would God. love to yes. have you back anytime you would like. Yeah. Yes. Anytime. So, I guess I'm trying to think. Is I think I, w- I want to end it on that. Let's that just was just perfect. That. Yeah. Every time you talk, it's perfect. And I want to end it on that. <laughs> and then you make it better. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Are yeah. you still writing? Please tell us you're still writing because you, you've got these amazing ideas. Um, yes, I, I want to kind of get away for at least a little bit from nonfiction or wait. Yeah. Yeah. Nonfiction. I wanted to focus more on um, fantasy and sci-fi because I love fantasy uh, sci-fi yeah. and uh, I have a couple of ideas. I have a book full of ideas and I, I'm, I'm, I'm tinkering with them. They're more for fun. They're more for just, ex- uh, you know, exploring my imagination, having fun with it. But eventually I, I want to go on and get my master's and my PhD and then I'll worry about doing the, the nonfiction stuff again. Sounds <laughs> and, good. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I will read every book you write, honestly. Yes. Even, I, I love sci-fi, so boom. Yeah, and faithful yeah, and there, Boom, we got it. You're covered. <laughs> you at least got two people buying your books, so. <laughs> That's right. I have, I'm working right now on an urban fantasy, so oh, well, cool. we'll let you know. <laughs> awesome. Very exciting. All right. Well, this has been so, so fun. I hope we can have you back again, but thank you so much much yeah, for giving us has a been, chunk of your Saturday. This has been so beautiful and and so wonderful talking to you and we really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Yeah. Yes, thank you guys so much. I had a lot of fun. Let me back come call me at any time. I'll come back. I promise. Yay! Oh, you can yes. count on it. We will be yeah. in touch. All right. And to all of our listeners, thank you guys so much for listening and we will talk to you next time. All right. Bye, Bye everybody. Everyone. Bye. Bye. Everyone. Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to help us keep making more great content, go to patreon.com forward slash gender rebels. We have many different levels of support and lots of great rewards, including drinks with the gender rebels at Stonewall. Please leave a five star review on iTunes. That makes it easier for other people to find us and send your questions to questions at gender rebels.com. Or find us on Twitter at The Gender Rebels. Music for The Gender Rebels is by Jasper the Colossal. Follow the link down below or download them on iTunes today. And for all our episodes, visit genderrebels.com. The Gender Rebels is a comeback sync production copyright 2018. All rights reserved. And to all you gender rebels out there, keep rebelling. Bye. Bye. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Hi.
I am doing okay. I just got finished staining some pieces of wood, so I'm covered in, in stain, but I'm okay otherwise. <laughs> okay. So you've gone onto this interview very stained, is what you're telling us. Yeah, I'm filthy right now. <laughs> okay. All right, That's why so... I was curious about a camera or anything. I was like, oh, God, I'm going to be covered in... How, how gross oh. can I be? And yeah. The answer is super gross. Yeah. And, and we are actually not particularly... Uh, at our prettiest right now we so. are saturday disgusting yes <laughs> that's a good way to put it i'm gonna keep that oh yeah saturday disgusting 